0: Norman, have you got a drink? Oh, I've got one, actually. Yeah, i get you. You've got a drink. Excellent. Yeah. Well, we're going to have Norman share from the scriptures today. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be great. So the, Very important to stay hydrated. Your yeah, Father, pray for Norman as he comes to share. Father, help us to listen, to learn. And uh, I'm going to top that up for you, Norman. And, yes, bless him, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. <coughs> Well, it is hot, uh, and you'll be surprised. I haven't got a vest on today. I mean, honestly, it must be very hot, mustn't it? uh, (laughs) I'm going to read to you from the Gospel of John. And I'm going to tell you a story about a man who thought he should know what he didn't know. About a man who, he was a religious man, which meant he kept lots of rules, and he wanted to do things to please God. And yet, he had met a man called Jesus. And he'd been watching him, I think, for many days and many, probably even a year or so. And there was something about this man that meant that this man had something that this man, Nicodemus, didn't have. And I'm going to read to you from uh, from, uh, John chapter 3 and uh, verse 1 down to probably about the end of verse 6 somewhere. Now, there was a Pharisee a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And then he got an answer from Jesus that was, I think, quite unexpected for Nicodemus. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can somebody be born again when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely you can't enter a second time into your mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter The kingdom of God, unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. For flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. Did you notice that Nicodemus came by night? He, uh, He didn't want anybody to know that he didn't know what he should know. And so he crept, had probably made an arrangement with Jesus to come and have a a private interview with him. And he came with an honest compliment. I've seen you doing things that nobody else could do unless you've come from God. What he'd seen had changed his heart enough to want to get close to this man, Jesus. Jesus. And what Jesus said was quite astounding for him. What he heard was, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Now in our society, that word gets rather overused. It's often used as a sort of derogatory. Sometimes I think, oh, you're a born-again Christian. Actually, the truth of the matter is, there is no other sort of Christian except for the one that the Bible talks about, one who has been born again. So I want to talk to you about birth today. And I'm going to give you my testimony about birth. You didn't expect that, did you? Come to church and get a lecture on birth. But did you notice what Jesus said? He said this. He said, said, "Um, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and of the Spirit. Now, you and I have all been born of water. At some point, our mother's waters broke, and everybody started rushing round. I remember when our fourth daughter was uh, about to be born, the midwife, and we were still in the anteroom. she said, this baby will not be coming until tomorrow, and walked out of the room. Where, at an instant, my wife's waters broke, and everybody, what? The baby's coming! And my Emma didn't wait for any midwife. She was on her way anyway. (laughs) We've all been born of water. We've got a natural birth. But Jesus said, actually, if you are to understand and see and enter into the kingdom of God, you've entered into the kingdom of men and women But if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. Born of water, number one. Born of the Spirit, number two. We can't work our way into the kingdom of God. I won't go into all the details now, but if you open your Bible at the beginning of Genesis, you will find that the problem was that Adam and Eve were in a good relationship with God until they listened to the evil one who said, no, you don't have to do what God says. You can make your own decisions. And they foolishly listened to the evil one and took of the fruit of the tree, which the father had already said, don't do that. And immediately they ate of that fruit. They died spiritually. Suddenly they were cut off from God. And it's only a chapter after that we find, or not it's a chapter in my Bible anyway, afterwards that we find the offspring of that couple, one of them murdering the other. Because sin had entered into the world. And evil had entered into the world. Because Why? Because men and women took their eyes off what God said and said, basically, I want to be my own God. I want to do what I want to do. I was like that. 62 years ago, I was like that. I was a timid 14-year-old who was at a camp on holiday, being taught to sail by seemingly really mature young men I think they're about 23 or 24 took me onto the river Dart and started to show me how to sail and for years I would had a question in my mind it came from me growing up in a Catholic school and one day asking my teacher when we were being shown round what she called the house of God as a six-year-old asking all the naughty questions And I said, please, miss, where's God then? If it was his house, I expected to see him. And she said, and I now understand this theologically, she said, he's in the box at the front on the altar. Now, that's because the Catholics believe that when they take the bread and the wine, it becomes the body uh, body and blood of Christ. I don't think that I would agree with that now, but that's what they believe. And so she was saying, he's in that box. But as a six, year, six or seven-year-old, I thought, you can't put God in a box. <laughs> and I spent time asking myself, so who is this God? And here I found myself sailing with these young men. And they seemed to be able to handle life very well. We were getting, it was quite a windy day, I remember it. I remember being scared out of my life, but thrilled out of my life. And I said to these guys, as we were coming back in, having survived the ordeal, do you know who God is? That was always my question to people. Do you know who God is? Not intellectually, do you know who God is? Do you you know inside? And uh, he said to me, yes, I do. I thought, that one. (laughs) He said, and actually this evening, there's a man coming who will speak about how You can find a relationship with God for yourself. I was very excited. See, Jesus said you need two births. You've had your natural birth. But actually, we need to be born of the Spirit. Because the problem is, since we were born in Adam, we carried the same sin that he And if you've got children, you don't have to wait very long before your wonderful little child, such a a precious little petal, gets hold of their dinner and says, no, and throws it out the pushchair or whatever it is. Where does that come from? Where does this, I will do what I will do, come from? My precious baby, I gave birth to it. Now it's saying, no. I'm afraid sin is in each one of us. And we are foolish if we don't recognize that. But God has a solution. And he's telling Nicodemus what the solution is. He's saying, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. And actually that totally reflects what the beginning chapter of John says. It says this in John uh, chapter 1 verse 9. It says, the true light, speaking of Jesus that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, this is the verse, 12, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, you see, when Jesus said to Nicodemus, "You must be born of the Spirit," he was saying actually, God has made it possible for each one of us to have the right to be born a second time and become children of God. And it says in that verse, "It says, yet to all who received Him." How are they receiving? Him? As these young. Children today have told us they're receiving Jesus as their Lord. You see, this, is a, this has been a burial service. That's why we put them under the water. I've baptised lots of people. They had their mouth closed and their eyes closed. Because it's, it's, they're saying, I have died to my old life. But by the power of Jesus, I'm being raised to a new life. And in this chapter of John, he says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, Nicodemus had believed, he'd seen something in this man. It says, he gave the right to become children of God. And then it explains the whole conundrum. Here it comes, he says, the right to become children of God. And then he says, children born, not of natural descent. Of course, we do have to be born of natural descent, but that isn't how we get into the kingdom. Born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. See, the difference between religion and Christianity is this. is Religion is often to do with what I can do to try and please God, or to find God. What this... Bible is telling us about Jesus is that actually God the Father sent his son to find us. That's very different. To find us. When I was on that boat, I was only hours away from Jesus finding me. And when I got to the evening, there was a new speaker to speak. And I was sitting there eager to know what this man knew about God, and I bought myself a picture that uh, I have paid for. In case you're wondering, it's going to come up, I think, on here, and it's a picture by a man called Holman Hunt. Many of you will have heard of him. Perhaps um, he was um, he was an artist. He was what they call a Pre-Raphaelite artist, and these uh, the Raphaelite artists were very keen to put detail in. In fact. Um, Holman Hunt, he, uh, he became a Christian, but he wasn't very particularly good with words. He was very good with a paintbrush. I know the feeling, my father-in-law, who's not alive now, was a professional artist, Carol's, uh, Carol's um, father. And he wasn't a man of great, uh, many words, but he could take a paintbrush and he could say a thousand words with his paintbrush. And so it was with Holman Hunt. And when he became a Christian, he thought, I want others to know the truth of what I've discovered. And he said, what have I got in my hand? Well, what I have in my hand is a paintbrush. I will therefore paint what has happened to me in my life. And he, he, he picked two verses from the Bible. One is Jesus, light of the world. And the other one is a verse that comes in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, where Jesus is said, it's, it's, it's said to be knocking on a door... Which is our lives. And he says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with him and him with me. And so he painted this picture. And it's uh, because of the light, it's not very easy to see it. But he carries a lamp. And he's standing outside of a door that has been slammed shut for years. Can you see the weeds? Can you see the briars all over the door? This door has not been opened. Well, a lot of us are like that. We close the door. Maybe when we were children, younger, we had an awareness of God. and We asked a few questions. People Don't bother about that. And in the end, as we grew to be older people, some of us have closed the door. And then we're a bit like Nicodemus. We don't really... Uh, we we want to know more, but well, I'm not not young anymore, and, and we find it embarrassing to ask the right questions. Perhaps it's embarrassing to admit, I don't really know who this God is. So Holman Hunt painted this picture. The door represents our lives. And Jesus is outside carrying a lamp, and that lamp unashamedly shows the state of the door. When He comes to our lives, he doesn't brush things under the carpet. He said, oh, well, you know, you've done this and you've done, never mind, we'll lift the carpet, we'll just brush it under the carpet. Let's say no more about it. He doesn't do that, because he knows that if you do that, eventually that rubbish and dirt will show itself. No, he comes to change us. He comes to bring new life. He comes to cleanse us. What have you done that? Maybe you think, oh, crumbs, you know, I feel a bit like Nicodemus. Uh, You know, if I come close to this God, maybe he'll reveal things that I don't want to be revealed. Yes, he might do, but he won't make a big thing of it. He comes to forgive. In fact, it says in John chapter 3, in that very well-known verse that I'm sure some of you would have heard, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then it adds this, which we often don't read, for God didn't send his son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He comes with his lamp to show us that we need to be saved, we need to be born of the Spirit. But He doesn't come to make an exhibition of our sin. He comes to deal with our sin. He comes that we might recognize it, and then so a word was used two or three times. And He said, "Have you repented of your sin?" Not a word we like people like to use today. Repenting, yes, it means it means changing your mind and your actions, and turning around and saying, I was going that way, I'm now going to go this way. That's what repentance means. Does it also mean to ask forgiveness? It does mean to ask for forgiveness, yes. And in that action, thank you very much, in that action of doing that, of turning your back on what was yourself, and turning to uh, God, you are actually asking him for it, for what he did on the cross to be put to your pla- to your life. Exactly right. But you have, and you have to accept the darkness as well in order to turn to light. Exactly. You we have where you were to then move forward. Exactly. So very helpful. We have to accept that I was in darkness. And what I was doing was making a mess of things. But I'm going to move forward into his light. And, oh, the picture's gone. But, um, sorry. I just want to notice one or two things about this picture, if we can only find it again. It's somewhere in the computer. Um, well, I remember the guy preaching on this, and he said... He said to us boys, do you notice something? Now, some of you already know. But if you look at the door, look at the door carefully, you'll notice there's something missing. And Home Hunt did that particularly on purpose. What's missing from that door? It's probably very difficult for you to see. He's knocking on the door, but actually what is missing is a door handle. Because God will never force his way into our lives... And it is for us to open our lives to him and invite him in. And 62 years ago, I heard this being preached on. And I said, Lord Jesus, I want to have you in my life. And I don't mind how embarrassing this is going to be for me. I want you to come in and clean up my life that I might be born again can I read you that verse again for God didn't come into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him what about you I'm going to give an opportunity for you to respond I talked about how embarrassing this can be. But when I was 14, I had come to the point where I recognized the truth of what was being said. And I said, I want that. And you know, 62 years later, I don't regret what I did that day one little bit. For God has filled me and thrilled me. And he's still doing it. He wants to do it for you. If you've never made a public statement that you want Jesus to be in your life, maybe you're a bit like Nicodemus, a bit of a secret disciple. Actually, he wants to bring you out into the open so you know that you have asked him to be your Lord. I'm so pleased I stood that evening because I now know. That was the day when I... Asked him to be my Lord. There was a lot of work to be done in, in my house. Oh, I'm sure he looked in the cupboard. My goodness, what is this? But he he sorted me out. But I had to invite him in. In order to be born of the Spirit, we have to invite the Holy Spirit in. And the Bible says he's the one that convicts of sin and unrighteousness and the judgment to come. And I want to invite you, if you've never done that, that this is... time of baptism, time of seeing others going forward. But it's an opportunity for you to say, I want to just make a step in the right direction. I'll tell you how I'm going to do this, for my aim is not to embarrass. I'm, I'm standing here with my testimony of having stood to follow Jesus. And I'm going to ask you in a moment, if you want to, to just stand where you are. And I'm going to wait a moment or two And then I'm going to ask everybody else to stand with you so that you're not on show. But for you to know, I'm making a statement. I want to follow this Jesus. I want to start on the road of getting to know him. And then I'm going to pray a prayer, which I'm going to ask everybody to pray. And it's going to be a prayer, something like, Lord Jesus, I'm asking you now to forgive me for all the wrongdoing that has been in my life. And I'm asking you to put to my account the forgiveness and the freedom which you gained for me when you died in my place on the cross. That's basically what we're going to pray. And we're also going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us so that we then have his strength to move forward. But we're not saying Every day, in every way, I'm getting better and better. As so we were going to do something, but we're going to rely upon his strength. And so, if as I've spoken, you think, I, would, I do want to make that a clarity in my life, that I am following Jesus. By the way, you don't have to be perfect to do this. In fact, you come as a sinner. But actually, he wants to forgive you. I'm going to ask you, Would you like to join me in standing if you are in that category and saying, I would like to make the statement, I want to ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life and I want to begin following him. Would you please just stand with me now? I'll wait a moment or two for you to have that opportunity. Well done. Thank you. Anybody else just waiting? I won't wait many moments. Anybody else? Could ask everybody to stand, please. I'm just gonna pray this prayer. I'm gonna ask everybody, including the person that stood, I'm gonna ask you just to pray out this prayer. We'll do it out loud together so that there's not just one voice praying. So I'll say the words, and would you like to repeat them after me? Not because my my words are better than anybody else's words, but I'm just I just want to lead you in something that you can bring yourself before God. So could you say. These words with me and after me as I say them. Lord Jesus Christ, Christ, I come to you now now. and I'm asking for forgiveness. For For all the times when I've lived lived the way I wanted to live, I ask you to forgive me please now put to my account the forgiveness that you gained for me when you died on the cross and fill me now with your power that I might walk with you every day drawing on your wisdom, Lord rather than my own. Thank you for loving me the way you do. Thank you, you, Jesus, for giving yourself for me. me. And thank you for obeying your Father that I might know the love of God. Amen. Lord God, I want to pray for for us as a church and for person that stood, I want to ask you, Lord, as a church, may we move forward in your strength, in your power, and in your love. And may, Lord, your grace flow through our lives to all those around us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I just say you stood this morning, and the Bible says that when one person stands before God like that. It says the angels celebrate. So we would just like to say well done for having stood.